Hey, if you would, turn in your Bible to John chapter 1, uh, verse 35 to 42. That's where we're going to be tonight. Um, so I'll give you a few seconds to get there. And I'll start reading in verse 35. Um, this is God's Word. It is really, really good. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he, he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him. That's Simon Peter, right? Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Have you ever had an experience that, that changed you? Um, you know, that, uh, an experience that really redefined your identity. Well, in August 2012, just a couple years ago, actually, Chris Pratt, had one of those moments. Now, some of you may know the actor, um, Chris Pratt, from you know shows like Parks and Rec, you know, or movies like Zero Dark Thirty. He was also in Moneyball. Um, but many of you know him. If you don't, from those things, you know him from this summer's Marvel blockbuster, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, you know, where he played Star-Lord, great movie, um, great character. Anyway, well, Chris, in real life, Chris's son, Jack, was born nine weeks premature. He spent a month in intensive care. Uh, he said, this is what Chris said, that, you know, about that experience, they were so scared. Like, they were scared for a long time, and they prayed a lot. And we, in this interview, I read... Uh, Chris would go on to say about his son's premature birth and the month he spent in intensive care. He would say that it restored my faith in God. Not that it needed to be restored, but it really redefined it. You know, and the great news is his son Jack is, is really healthy. Uh, he turned two this past month. But what's amazing is that experience in a lot of ways just like Chris said, it redefined his identity. Um, and, you know, and many of you, you show up to college thinking about your identity. You know, you're hoping to redefine your identity, make an entirely new one. Or some of you show up and you kind of, you want to maintain the one you have. You were really, you know, awesome in high school, standout athlete, standout student. Like, you like your identity. And you would love to come to college and be awesome again. And no matter what, I think we, you know, many of us, at some point we struggle with our identity. Um, 
you and, and when I say identity, you you know what I'm talking about. Um, it's what makes us distinct, you know, unique. It's what you feel like makes you worthwhile. You know, those things about us that say to the world, "I'm somebody. I matter." And this struggle with our identity involves really two deep fundamental questions that all of you are asking, that I ask, that we wrestle with, and it's this, who am I and who is God? And typically we respond to these questions in a number of ways. I mean, one, for instance, is like moralism. You know, it's, man, we're just going to do the right thing. We're, we're going to think the right thing. We're all about duty. Um, another way we respond is rebellion, you know, uh, I'm going to find my own way. But the Bible, Christianity, starts respond, respond, it, it responds to these identity questions in an entirely different way. It gives us an encounter with a real, concrete person, Jesus. That's how the Bible responds to these questions, is it gives you Jesus, a person. Well, in this passage, we meet Peter for the first time, who we're going to be looking at all semester, his life, the life of Peter. And he has his first encounter with Jesus alongside the seashore. And what's going to happen is his identity is going to be redefined forever. And so the big ideal I want us to think about together tonight is this. Encountering Jesus leads to three things that we're going to see in this passage. It redirects, it requires, and it redefines. And so let's think about the first one. Uh, encountering Jesus redirects. It will, it will redirect us away from ourselves. It will redirect us away from self. You see this with John in verse 35 to 37. You know, John is a really important character in the New Testament. Uh, and here, he's with some of his disciples. Jesus walks by, and look at what he says in verse 36. Behold, the Lamb of God. John, what John was doing is he was constantly pointing beyond himself to another. I mean, if you just go backwards in this chapter of John 1... And look at verse 29, you see him say the same thing. Behold, the Lamb of God. In verse 20, after John was asked who he was, he says this, I am not the Christ, meaning I'm not the Savior. I'm not the Messiah. John is constantly pointing beyond himself to another. He's saying to others, Take your eyes off me and see Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's exactly what he says in verse 29. Could we say that this is a characteristic of our life? You know, that we are always pointing beyond ourselves to another. You know, that, that we are, for the Christians here tonight, like pointing beyond yourself to Jesus. Does the way you work with others in a group project, in your business class, right? Does it point people beyond yourself to someone greater than you? I mean, think about this. 
We are bent towards self. Like, I don't know about you, but I love myself. We love ourselves. Um, You know, I'm all about my own needs. I'm all about my own comforts and pleasures. It's just natural. I do it so easily. But encountering Jesus is going to redirect us away from self, away from ourselves. And I, and I know some of you here tonight, you, you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian. Maybe you're really skeptical. Maybe you're burned out. Uh, first of all, I'm really glad you're here. I think this is a great place for you to be. It's really safe and, and maybe the least judgmental place to be and to, to just kind of explore what, what Jesus is about. Um, but this question that I'm asking um, isn't just for Christians. Like, what does your life point others to? You know, you don't have to be a Christian to think about that question. Um, and the other thing that um, encountering Jesus is going to do is it's going gonna, it's gonna to redirect us in the sense that it's going to move us, it's going to move you towards others, away from yourself and towards others. Just look at Andrew in this passage. He was one of John's two disciples, right, that left John to follow Jesus. And after spending the day slash evening with Jesus, what does Andrew do? You see it in verse 41. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah. Andrew brought his brother Simon to Jesus. Like he told him about his own experience and then brings him. He's like, you know what, just forget it. I'm going to take you to him. Um, Andrew brings people in. He invites people into his life, into his story. He invites them to encounter Jesus for themselves. And this is good for us. Like this is really good for us as individuals. But it's also a great time to say, man, this is what RUF is about at Western Carolina University. Um, this is really what RUF is about, period. We, we are about bringing people in, bringing people to encounter. Like, we want you to come face-to-face with Jesus. We are not about our own name. We are about the name of Christ. And so that's really what we're about. Um, and so encountering Jesus redirects. It also requires... Um, So John sees Jesus walk by, and two of John's disciples begin to follow him. You see it in verse 37. And the interaction between Jesus and these two guys, it's really, really fascinating. And and here's a couple takeaways from this interaction. One involves some reflection. Um, Jesus sees the two dudes following him, okay, which is... Maybe kind of creepy. Um, he turns to them. He says, what are you seeking? Another way to think about it is, what do you want? It's a normal question. Probably what you would do if you had two strange dudes following you on campus, right? But here's the thing. Jesus knew what they wanted. So, why, so a real good question for us is, why did he ask? And, he, and here's, my, here's my response to that. Because he wanted them to articulate what is on their minds and hearts. Um, That's it. I mean, encountering Jesus will require some reflection. 
You know, when we read this, John, I mean, he wants us to reflect on a deeper question. One New Testament scholar puts it this way, Jesus confronts those who make any show of beginning to follow him, and he pushes them to express what they really want in life. What are you seeking? What do you really want, guys? What do you really want in life? Jesus will challenge you to deal with this question. And it's good because the answers to this question are often barriers to actually Jesus, to encountering Jesus, to following Jesus. For instance, many of us, if we're really honest, we're seeking money. That's why you're in college to begin with, right? What you really want in life is to make a lot of money, a stack of cash. Um, Others, you know, money's great, but we're seeking romance. What you really want in life is a husband, a wife, some deep romantic connection. You know, like the stuff we see in movies. You know, we we want that romance. What what Jesus wants you to do is, is he wants you to own these things, to identify them. Because they're actually barriers to following him fully. And he also knows that these things that we really want ultimately won't satisfy. And so the disciples respond to Jesus with the courteous, you know, like a courteous response and, and honor. They call him rabbi. And then they ask him where he's staying which kind of increases the creep factor a little bit. Uh, They ask him where he's staying, and you you see that at the end of verse 38. What they wanted was to get to know Jesus. Like, they were full of deep questions. And Jesus' simple response is actually really profound. You look at it in verse 39, what does he say? He says, it's an invitation. He says, come and you will see. Like, Jesus invites them into his life. He invites them into a relationship. And they spend the rest of the day with him. And and here's where that hits home to us. And it's a good reminder for us. Um, Following Jesus requires a relationship. A deeply radical, personal relationship. Um, And so... Encountering Jesus, it, it, require, it, it requires, it redirects. And then this last thing we're going to see, especially with Peter, um, is that it redefines. So after a day with Jesus, Andrew is bought in. Like he's convinced that John was right. Jesus was the promised one. And Andrew couldn't keep the news to himself. He shares it with those closest to him. And this is where we meet Peter for the first time. Look at verse 42. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him, Peter, and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Uh, Following Jesus, encountering Jesus, It redefines who we are. Jesus gave Peter a new name on the spot right then. 
He gave him a new identity, a new life. Naming was really significant thing back then. And by doing this, Jesus is saying, you are a different man right now. You are a different man right now. And so it really redefines who we are. Encountering Jesus redefines who we are. Um, but it also re- redefines who we will become. It's easy to get caught up thinking about Peter in verse 42. But I want to draw our attention. I think more attention should be on Jesus. Because Jesus just said, you will be rock. I mean, he kind of gave him, it's like a, you know, it's, it's a new name. Like, it's a declaration. Like, Jesus is making a declaration. Not only are you a different man right now, Peter, but I'm going to make you a rock. And this had to be good news for, for him. And this has got to be good news for you. You show up to college with things that identify you. Things that you don't like, right? Things that you don't like about yourself that you really hate. No matter if you're a Christian or not, everybody on this campus in Cullowee, there you know, we we kind of come here with all sorts of things. I mean, shame, insecurities that that really just have a lot of power over us and we hate them. Um, you know, and it could be it could be stuff like, you know, what you did in high school. You know, just things that you did in high school you wish you could take back. It could be the fact that your parents split up, uh, your dad left you and the whole family. It could be you're just poor. You're really poor, and you don't want anyone to know about it. Um, you've never had a boyfriend. You've always been second string which is like the story of my life. You know, I mean, what is it that you hate about yourself? You know, the thing that you're really, really insecure about. And here's the great news of this encounter. Uh, it, It doesn't have to be that way. Those things don't have to identify you and have power over you because Jesus offers us a new identity. Those of you who have encountered Jesus and trusted in him, like you have a new identity, right? That is powerful and life-changing and life-giving. Like Jesus says things like, you are accepted. Like, I accept you. Uh, you are forgiving. You are my family. You are adopted. You are royal, an heir to the throne. Like, you are righteous. And Jesus can say all these things about you because he will make it happen. And so if some of you are here tonight and you're not a Christian, well, this is is good news for you too because Jesus offers you a new identity. Like he offers you freedom from the things that bring so much insecurity, the things that have power over you. He offers you a future free from those things for free. I mean, notice, think about it. What did Peter do? Peter has done nothing in this passage. 
He hasn't demonstrated. He hasn't performed. He hasn't achieved. It was a completely free offer. He's done nothing. And so tonight we've thought about, you know, what, what should encountering Jesus look like? What, what should encountering Jesus do to us? And then this passage we've seen, you know, it's, it's going to redirect us away from ourselves and towards others. It will require some reflection and a deep relationship. And encountering Jesus will redefine who we are. Like, it will redefine who we we will become. And I hope this has been both challenging and comforting. Challenging because some of you, some of us, we think we've encountered Jesus. But we're not following him. Instead, we're, we're following our own hearts. And for others, I hope this is I hope this has been, you know, really comforting. Because you come here tonight hopeless. You really do. But Jesus didn't come to make you hopeless. Jesus came to make you new. And so I invite all of you, I extend the same invitation to you that we see in this passage. Come and see. Come and see Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. It is truly, truly good. Lord, I pray that you would, by your spirit, use it to work in our hearts and minds to restore us, to lead us to Jesus. Would we see him? Would we trust him? Would we rest in him, I pray. And it's in his name. Amen.